Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 13. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie. Alongside me, I have David Howman, Brandon Clements, and Chris Halling, uh, my elves for the evening. I guess that'll be an allude to what is coming later. Uh, the Cowboys give us a historic Thanksgiving feast, just like the Pilgrims did all those years ago, uh, destroying the Commanders 45-10, extending their home winning streak to 13 games uh, You know, over the past two years. That's pretty impressive, to say the least. But outside of Dak Prescott's MVP performance outside of the turkey leg celebration. I think the way that we could put a bow on this, because of course, with it being another short week, we're going to turn around very quickly, getting you guys ready for the Seahawks game coming up. Uh, but I think we can't leave this podcast without talking about Deron Bland's historic pick six, now setting the NFL record for five in a season. Most receivers don't get five touchdowns in a single season, but Deron Bland has five already so i'll turn to you b1 uh, i don't know about you but by the time it happened it was around when dessert was happening on thanksgiving i almost threw all of my apple pie on the floor in celebration i didn't think it was going to happen um it was something where everything was going right for the cowboys and you were just waiting for that maybe to happen kind of to, to wrap up the game and when it did i was just super excited i don't know how you felt Oh, I was absolutely going nuts. I mean, I'm, as you guys know, I'm, I'm I'm in a household with all my family. They're all Bills fans, you know, minus minus my wife and my kids are already by birthright. That's kind of how it goes. But um, I'm sitting there. We have one of these, like, you know, like those tables that pop up. So it's almost like yeah. it's not a tray table, but it's it's like one of those normal tables you pop up. So I'm sitting there in the living I'm sitting there in my parents' living room. And, like, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just, like, finishing, you know, the normal desserts and, you know, all that stuff. And then I'm like – Man, and, and no joke, I'm sitting here, you know, I look at my, my dad and I'm like, I kind of got this weird feeling about, you know, a turnover coming. I didn't say Deron Bland. I just said, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Sam Howell's going to turn the ball over here. And like, you know, it just so happens like just a few minutes later, you know, Deron Bland just makes a read on it. And by the way, I don't know if you saw the screenshots. I'm sure you guys have, but he wasn't even in the picture in some of those frames. Like he was out of frame and he still put his foot in the ground and just turned, made a huge break on the ball picks it off. And yes, uh, it was funny because Jim Nance was almost calling the shot. Like before it happened, he's like, well, we got, Oh, if he can get there, you know, kind of, kind of down that way. And, and it was funny because for a split second, I was literally, I'm like, Oh God, most of these pick six, I think all of them up, up until uh, this past week, I think they were pretty much all, you know, straight shots. Like there was nobody coming. Like it's one of those like Christmas gifts essentially where you, you pick it off. Nobody's going to come near you. You're, you're just going to walk into the end zone. This one actually required some return skills, and as as Duran was saying too, he's like, "Well, I, you know, now they can't say I can't return return these anymore, like because every other one was essentially just straight through." He showed off great wheels. He made a couple great moves. You know, broke broke through, broke broke free pretty close to the end zone, and that Jim Nance call, fantastic. Jim Nance is a pro's pro, one of the best in the business. You know, obviously Tony was loving it as well, Tony Romo. So it was, and then they, they had that shot of when it was happening. You see Dan Quinn in the in the booth. I was doing that. I thought I was going to flip a table over and stuff. I was going to you know do some you know do some damage there. But yeah, I was going nuts. And no, that's not how I lost my voice this this past weekend. So you know, it was uh, it was a heck of a moment. A lot of fun. You know, defensive player of the year. Uh, you know, let's get it done. And then Dak Prescott, you alluded to it. You know, MVP kind of game. The Cowboys are rolling right now, and I know it's, you know, they beat the Commanders. They're, you know, 4-8, and eight, whatever. It's a win. The Cowboys are looking good as they get ready for Seattle. Chris, for you, 
you know, we mentioned and talked about this last week, how you just put it out on X, you know, DPOY, just a very simple quote tweet of something I put out. I, I think the the biggest thing that a lot of people were talking about with, with regards to Cowboys Nation is that not a lot of people know who Deron Bland is. But when you have it in a isolated game on Thanksgiving with 41 million people watching something like that. I mean, I think this really makes Deron Bland now a household. And we saw Darius Slay even throw out Defensive Player of the Year, a lot of guys around the NFL. It seems like now more than ever, it's a real possibility just in that one moment, given that it was an island game on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. It's always like the third most watched game ever, at least in the regular season, which is just insane to think about. It was good that the Cowboys were able to put up such a such a great performance on such a you know nationally televised audience. Um, I'm with you, though. You know, I saw... You know, I saw the interception. I was um, eating banana pudding at the time, and I saw that interception. And, you know, my initial reaction was, oh, my gosh, it's going to be six because it didn't show Sam Howell in, in the frame. And then I saw Sam Howell run at him, and I was like, oh, man, no, it's, he's going to get caught. And then he broke it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, he got it. And so, yeah, so it was awesome to see. I think that, you know, I mean, like prior to that game, I thought that Deron Bland uh, should have been the front runner for defensive player of the year just because – we see a lot of 20 sack seasons around the NFL nowadays. It doesn't seem to be that uncommon, especially from those top premier guys in the NFL. I mean, it's very impressive. Don't get me wrong, but you know, that's something that has happened in recent memory. You know, five def- I mean, um, five pick sixes is something that's never happened in league history. That's something that sets you apart. And, and um, that's just a season that, that, that probably won't get replicated for a very long time, if ever. So I think that Deron Bland should be the favorite. And, and I saw something recently that still had, you know, Micah as as um favored above him in the betting odds. And I think Micah would tell you, you know, even firsthand that I, I think that he would give that award right now to um, Deron Bland. You know, Trayvon Diggs is saying it should go to Deron Bland. You know, like all these players around the NFL, I think that they're all starting to see that Deron Bland is the real deal. And what's most impressive about it to me is he's not he's not just taking a bunch of chances and I'm um, getting all these, you know, like interceptions. He's locking down in coverage as well too. He's doing a really good job throughout the season of not giving up big plays on him. So he's just been the all around great defensive back. And if you compare it to that Stephon Gilmore season that he had where he won defensive player of the year, I think that bland season was much better. And there's still a, and there's still what six games left in this season as well. So Deron Bland has plenty of time to add more interceptions and who knows, possibly even extend that record even more. So, so yeah, I think that Deron Bland should be the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. And I think, honestly, if he doesn't get it, it'll be one of the biggest um, injustices in um, recent memory in the NFL. Well, and another, you know, stat to put as an exclamation point on that, Howman, is that according to the next-gen stats, Bland hit 21.29 miles per hour on the return, which is the 19th fastest speed recorded this year in the NFL. So, clearly, he really wanted to get in the end zone. It's something that he wanted to do. I feel like that the Carolina game, the way he was able to shake out Bryce Young, kind of set him up to at least be aware of what he had to do against Sam Howell. And then, of course, he put the uh, Michael Vick move on Brian Robinson, and I think it was either Terry McLaurin or Curtis Samuel, one of those guys. Um, but transitioning into the next holiday, you know, a lot of Scrooges out there are saying that, oh, well, these interceptions are coming in garbage time. Oh, they're easy interceptions. Oh, that really doesn't matter. It's not as impressive. What do you say to all those people out there that are saying that this is not an impressive feat for Deron Bland? I mean, you still you still have to make the interception. You still have to run it all the way back. Like it's not it's not like you know they're just throwing it right to him. He's he's actually making the break on the play. He's making the making the interception. And in this case, with his interception, like we talked about, like he had to juke a few guys. Granted, you know, I, I don't think 
I, I'm not the most athletic guy. I think I could probably break a Sam Howell tackle. Like I don't, I don't think that he's <laughs> the, the best tackler out there, and nor nor should he be as a quarterback. Um, but still, I mean, he broke like three different tackles on that play. He had to juke some people out, and you know that that was a good amount of resistance towards getting into the end zone. And um, you know, like Deron Bland, like really, really, truly living up to the anything but bland uh, moniker that that has generated in his favor. I mean, this is a guy like you think he started in the slot. He moves outside. He gets all these interceptions. He brings them all back for touchdowns. The way that he was juking guys, it's like, well, maybe you know, maybe Cavante Turpin's got to worry not now. Like he's going to take some some reps at punt returner. And it's like, I mean, what can't he do at this point? I I feel like watching him right now. I feel like when I first saw Bradley Cooper in uh, A Star Is Born, where he's like acting and singing and directing. I'm like, dude, you don't have to do everything. Like, you're great at it all, but, like, leave some talent for the other people. So, um, I mean, did the interception at the end of that game, like, completely change the outcome of the game? No. Like, the Cowboys would have won without it. But it's still a big play to make the interception, especially the way that he came out of nowhere to pick it off, breaking tackles to get to the end zone. That's still impressive. And like Jim Nance pointed out later on the broadcast, too, like, you know, the guys who he whose record he was tied with and then broke, like, they did it, you know, over a full season. He's done it in 11 games. Like, he's not even getting the asterisk of saying, well, you know, he had a 17th game. Like, he did it in 11. Even back when there were 14 games in the season, he still would have broken the record in, in that time. So it's, it's truly special. It's something nobody's ever done before, and he's done it in record time. I think another thing to help him when it comes to the back end of the season, because I do think we've talked about MVP and Defensive Player of the Year on this podcast before that really not a lot of there's not a lot of separation up at the top. I think now Deron Bland, I would say, is further along in his player of the year conversation rather than maybe Dak and MVP, given, you know, some players who have stepped up. Jalen Hurts had a good game, of course, on Sunday. Josh Allen, of course, as well, too. So I feel like it's a little more clouded with MVP. But for defensive player of the year, I know on Sunday, I think Miles Garrett left the game towards the end against the Broncos. And I think he left the game in a like a sling, an arm sling. So we'll see what happens with him and his availability for the rest of the year. So you start missing some of these guys at the top end who are sort of the leaders right now. That puts Deron Bland a little bit further in the conversation. And, and honestly, I think he cut, can have one or two more left in him for the rest of the year, even if he gets three more interceptions, let's say. And this was pointed out uh, by Kyle Yeomans on uh, Talking Cowboys for DallasCowboys.com today. He said if he has just three more interceptions on the year, and like you said, Chris, there's a lot of games left in the year, that puts him at 10 on 10 on the year. So 10 interceptions, half of them return back for, for touchdowns. I mean, that's an unbelievable season. And Trayvon Diggs had 11 in that record-setting year um, when when he had it two years ago. And like that felt like it was unbelievable. But for the fact that he can return five of them, it's just a feat all on its own. So I think that there's a real case for him to, to be in that Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Like you said, Hellman, his odds are very low at this point. Maybe it changes throughout the week as we hear more about Miles Garrett, stuff like that. It's always changing, but I think Deron Bland is fully in that conversation. Uh, putting a bow on that, like we mentioned, the transition to the holidays is here with it being less than a month until Christmas. Uh, our game for tonight, we're going to do our grown-up Christmas list. Uh, we're going to get in our letters to Santa early so that it beats out all the letters uh, that the children are going to be sending out over the next few weeks because nothing screams Christmas in the holiday spirit more than four grown men trying to get their Christmas letters in before all the children around the world. That's just how it is. We're trying to just you know beat them to the punch here. Um, but these won't just be any normal wishes. We're going to 
put it on a lens with the Cowboys of what we want for maybe this week, next month, throughout the rest of the year. You know, it's up to our interpretation of what we want this letter to to be. And as we know, as all good writers are, uh, proofreading is the backbone of everything that we do. So we're going to read our letters aloud to each other and give our little criticisms, critiques, maybe give our little two cents on how we can perfect it before we send them out. So with that said, I'm going to nominate myself to go first as the example, uh, not to sort of set up the standard for you guys, but just to you know, throw it out there. And who knows, maybe we'll throw on a little uh, post-Christmas magic editing and, and throw, throw a little bit of Christmas music on top of this uh, when I you read it You must be real confident in, this, in their letter. Like you, you said, like, I'm going to set the standard right here. <laughs> well, it's well, and it's not really the standard. I think there's a sense of urgency with mine so i wanted to get it out right here now uh so i'll start off with saying uh dear santa um there is no question that i've been good this year but this letter isn't about me instead i am writing to you on behalf of the dallas cowboys front office and you might not know this but the team has a pretty big day ahead of themselves and as this podcast airs it's going to be on tuesday even though we're recording monday night just for for context for everybody uh the cowboys are set to host free agent linebacker darius shack leonard or as people closest to him call him Shaq, uh, now you saw what happened last year when the Cowboys tried to bring in Odell Beckham and rolled out the holiday red carpet for him, only for OBJ to rip hopes away from all Cowboys fans, uh, sort of like the Grinch does on Christmas. Instead, the team went off in this offseason and acquired a few special elves of their own in Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks who have been working hard to bring holiday cheer to Dallas. However, it feels like that they are one elf short and Shaq could be the perfect fit for a postseason run, which I'm sure all fans will be writing to you tirelessly throughout the Christmas season. So I ask on behalf of the front office that you work a little Christmas magic and make sure that when Shaq arrives in Dallas today, maybe you leave him a warm plate of cookies and milk to convince him to stay. And besides, if he leaves, he might be on his way to the Philadelphia Eagles, and we know that the green color is synonymous with the color of the aforementioned Grinch, which you hate. So all the best this Christmas season. Sincerely. Brandon, I'll throw it to you, Hellman, first. We are getting the reports that Shaq Leonard is visiting with the Cowboys confirmed on Tuesday. That's why the urgency of this letter has to go out right away, uh, because I do think that there is competition for the Cowboys for his services. So with him being first on the list traveling to the Cowboys, are you more confident in him potentially signing, or is it something where you wanted him to be maybe second or third on a visiting list? Well, first off, I have to say just a note for the letter. I, I think Shaq Leonard might be a bit too big at this point to pass for an elf, but I, I like the style. <laughs> well, it's listen, it, it, you saw that uh, Will Ferrell, you know, was a big elf in, in a small elf true. world. So just saying, sometimes big elves are, are people too. <laughs> yeah, true. That's that's a good point. Excuse my ignorance. Um no, I think uh, the fact that the Cowboys get Leonard in first is a good sign for them. It, I think uh, – They've generally been pretty good about when they bring free agents in. If, if they really want him and if they're convicted about getting him onto the team, like they're not going to let him leave. And they've kind of, uh, over the last few years, they've taken this approach where it's like, if you come into this building like and we make you an offer, you either accept it or if you leave to go elsewhere, like that's not, that offer is no longer good anymore. Um, I, I think that, you know, from, from what we've heard, some of the tea leaves out there, uh, it sounds like they've really done their due diligence on him. Um, I mentioned last week, I think on the round table, how uh, his defensive coordinator last two years in Indianapolis, Gus Bradley is really close with Dan Quinn. So I'm sure that, that Dan Quinn has had a whole lot of conversations with Gus Bradley about 
about Leonard, where he's at physically, what, what he's at as far as being able to fit into the scheme. I think they're going into this meeting really prepared and um, assuming that Leonard is going in and, and wants to, you know, join this team and, and get started right away. I think they're in a good spot to sign him. Um, but if he says, you know, I want to hear all my other options, I think they'll probably just say, you know, our defense is doing fine without you. Like we'd like to have you, but we can survive without you, which I also think is probably true. Chris, at one point in the game for the Cowboys on Thursday, you know, Marquis Bell went down. He was being checked out, I think, either for a stinger or a concussion. He was able to come back into the game. But when you looked at the Cowboys' depth at that point, it's like, you know, Rashawn Evans was just signed to the 53-man roster. But outside of that, they don't really have much depth. They have a few guys on the practice squad. Of course, Malik Jefferson, he's out of elevations. Um, so they have to bring him onto the 53 if they want to bring him onto the roster and have him play in a game. But you know, it seems like that for Shaq Leonard, if if he doesn't sign, they're going to pivot somewhere else. Maybe I know uh, Anthony Barr is on the Vikings practice squad right now. Maybe they go and poach him from there. Um, but it seems like that it's a perfect marriage, given the fact that Malik Hooker's on the team, Stephon Gilmore's on the team. There's a lot of familiarity with the Cowboys that for a lot of these free agents that we've talked about over the years coming to Dallas, there hasn't been that sort of connection. But there's a lot of tea leaves here kind of painting the picture that Shaq might actually be a good fit in Dallas. Oh yeah, no. I, I honestly, I think it makes a lot of sense, and um, you know, like it's it's uh, very fortunate that Marquise Bell was okay and that he was able to come back in the game. But you know, it does kind of put things into perspective, into perspective the rest of the season that you know, if if someone does go down with a serious injury in that linebacker room, then you know the Cowboys could be in some trouble. And you know, there are several connections on this Cowboys roster, which you pointed out. And I also wanted to point this out as well. You know, Mike is recording his um Edge podcast um right now at Bleacher Report. And and um, one of the three jerseys behind him as he's recording is a Darius Leonard signed Colts jersey. So mm. I don't think that that's that's um, any type of, you know, um, a coincidence. I think that that's a very targeted and he's trying to send a message. So I think that this Cowboys team wants Darius Leonard. Um, you know, like there's been several reports that the, the um, defensive coaching staff wants Darius Leonard. And so, you know, I think that, you know, when Jerry has his sights on someone, he's not going to leave the building unsigned. So I think it's very advantageous for the Cowboys that that um, they get the first crack at um, Leonard. So I'm so um, I'm very hopeful that he is a Cowboy because I think that he brings a veteran leadership and he brings some more depth to that linebacker room. B one and and not only that, I mean the Cowboys rest of the season. This is really the toughest part of their schedule, and a lot of these teams they are very run heavy. You look at. The Buffalo Bills, maybe not as much, but the Philadelphia Eagles, they have to play again. If Kenneth Walker is healthy for the Seahawks this week, doesn't look like he might be, but even Zach Charbonnet isn't just a guy. Um, and then, of course, the Miami Dolphins, Detroit Lions, those are really, really dominant run teams. And when you look at the Cowboys' depth, as I mentioned, with Rashawn Evans, Marquise Bell, having that just one extra guy, that sort of piece to put them over the top to feel more comfortable – even if Shaq is dealing with a little bit of injuries and trying to get his feet wet, at least there's a rotation of guys to put in there. But I also think his leadership would go a long way uh, with guys like a Marquise Bell, a Damone Clark that he can teach the game to, and that will pay off similar to what happened with Leighton Vander Esch helping Damone Clark along the way last year. Yeah, I mean, let's let's go down his track record a little bit. NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2018. Three-time first-team All-Pro 2018, 2020, and 2021. Second-team All-Pro in 2019. Three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, let's see, NFL forced fumbles leader in 2021. Tackles leader in 2018. Like in his career stats, I mean, he's got 614 career tackles at this point. Like the guy's a proven commodity. I know he's had some injuries. Obviously, that's the that's the big concern. And 
And that's why the Colts part of it was, you know, the injuries, you know, maybe, maybe they feel like they're not getting enough bang for that proverbial buck they were paying him. So, you know, that's why they, you know, it seems like they parted ways uh, with Shaq Leonard. You know, Shaq's a good sized guy, you know, he's six two, two thirty. you know, give or take. He's, he's a very talented player and you're right. Like he's perfect for the run stuffing department. You have a lot of good teams coming up with some quality running backs. So this is the kind of guy that you want to have on the team. Like, even if he's like, I don't know, like 80% of what he was at peak Shaq Leonard, he's still better than majority of the linebackers in the league. Like he's, he's a very talented player and let's not forget, he's only 28 years old. Like he's not like, he's still, he's still, you know, in, in relative terms, he's still a pretty young guy. Yes. He's got some nicks, you know, over the years, but 28 year old player still has some good, good. I think he has some good years left in him. I think he's got some plenty of fuel left in the tank. I think this, this not only could be a good signing for the rest of this year, but this could be something that the Cowboys look to, you know, you know, going forward for maybe a longer term deal, given the uncertainty of a, of a, of a Leighton Vanderash, who, as we know, you know, obviously the injury there is, you know, a, is not good. You know, who knows what's going to happen there? You know, you know, hopefully hope for the best for, for LVE, but you, you just never know. So Shaq would be a guy that if he shows enough, at the, you know, the, the last stretch of the season, I could see him being on the Cowboys next year. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I don't think that's too far fetched. And I think given the lack of depth in the, in the, in the room right now, the Marquise Bell thing was a scare. We all know that, but it, it's, you know, it, you know, obviously Leighton Van Der Esch is not there. Like the linebacker room is just not, there's not much depth there. And, and he fits, he fits the bill perfectly. And you, you, you put all the tea leaves together. You, you, you cross all the, you know, the dots, you do the seven degrees, or I think it's called of, uh, of Kevin Bacon. You put all those, you put all those pieces together. You know, you have the Dan Quinn, the, the Gus Bradley, you know, Stefan Gilmore and, and Shaq Leonard, you know, are known to be really good friends by all reports out there. You know, it, it to me, and obviously as Chris, to Chris's point, like he was just mentioning the Shaq Leonard uh, Jersey in the background, like, Mike is pretty much telling Jerry, like, get this deal done. I want my, I want this, I want this dude on the team now. And, and to Hallman's point too, I feel like it's a situation where he either signs when he's there or he's probably going to Philly. And I hate saying that because, you know, as we know, Philly's Philly's doing good. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles fans will remind us all they got one loss this year. So they keep bringing that up. And, uh, you know, adding Shaq Leonard to that team would not be a good thing for Cowboys fans and Cowboys Nation. So if the Cowboys feel confident enough in, in what they're seeing from him and, and they're ready to, you know, ready to roll with him, they cannot let him leave the building. Because I will tell you right now, if he leaves the building without a contract, Philadelphia is going to swoop him. It's just that's just the way it is. The, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, as much as we all despise them as Cowboy fans, they got a pretty darn good front office that, you know, if, if they get a guy in their in their building, they're probably if they want him bad enough, they're going to get him. So the Cowboys, they got they got first dibs. They got to make this happen. Or I feel like, you know, Philly's probably going to swoop him. All I know is this time last year, the Cowboys signed an ex-Indianapolis Colt that made his first impact on the Cowboys against the Eagles at home. You know, around Christmas time, it's no coincidence that Shaq's coming in. Maybe he's the next great Indianapolis Colt uh, to come into the Cowboys, make an impact against the Eagles for his first game. Uh, shout out T.Y. Hilton, the ghost. Uh, you'll always be the goat uh, for that third and long play. Um, so I'll turn to, I don't know, let's go, uh, Chris, you do uh, your letter next. Let's see what you got and what your wishes are for Santa Claus. Okay, mine's a little lengthy, so I apologize. But, you know, it's going it, it, to be great. 
Dear Santa, I'm writing to you expressing how jolly I am this Christmas season. As the Cowboys sit at an 8-3 record, Dak Prescott is playing at an MVP level, and this season feels as good as any to make a deep run in the playoffs. I know you get billions of letters at this time of year, so I'm going to try and make mine stand apart. I'm going to ask you for my gifts in the form of your favorite Christmas carol, 12 Days of Christmas. I'm going to spare you guys the singing, because I know you guys don't want to hear that. On the first oh, day of Christmas, Santa gave to me one Defensive Player of the Year award for Deron Bland. On the second day of Christmas, Santa gave to me more targets for wide receiver two, Brandon Cooks. On the third day of Christmas, Santa gave to me a third straight first-team All-Pro selection for Micah Parsons. On the fourth day of Christmas, Santa gave to me an MVP award for number four. On the fifth day of Christmas, Santa gave to me the fifth seed so the Cowboys can play the NFC South in the wild card round. On the sixth day of Christmas, Santa gave to me six more sacks for Demarcus Lawrence so he can reach double digits. On the seventh day of Christmas, Santa gave to me a seventh win against the Buffalo Bills in franchise history. On the eighth day of Christmas, Santa gave to me eight and a half more sacks for Micah Parsons so that he can reach 20 on the season. On the ninth day of Christmas, Santa gave to me a ninth career Pro Bowl selection for Tyron Smith. On the 10th day of Christmas, Santa gave to me 10-plus interceptions for Deron Bland in 2023. On the 11th day of Christmas, Santa gave to me an 11th win against the Seahawks in franchise history. On the 12th day of Christmas, Santa gave to me 12-plus wins this season. I know this was a long letter, Santa, but I hope that you can grant me these wishes. If these wishes come true, I'm confident Cowboys fans can enjoy an even longer season, with it coming to an end after a win in February. Sincerely, Chris Hall. I'm... Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And Howman, you mentioned that I was trying to go first to set the standard. I thought that that was well done, well thought out. The research was in depth. I didn't know that how many wins they had against Seattle, the Bills, all that stuff. Um, Howman, you could pick one and and run with it. I don't know where you want to go. Maybe it's the Micah Parsons sacks. But, I mean, we talked about the playoff seating, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, again, also too, Chris. Again, congrats. That was just that was just well done. Well, yeah, I, I think that's it. a perfect letter for Santa. Uh, you know, Howman, we talked about the seating in the playoffs. The Eagles, of course, won, again, against the Buffalo Bills. The, the Chiefs and the Bills not doing any favors for Cowboys fans uh, this holiday season. So, bah humbug to those two teams. Um, but... You know, it seems like really right now, Philly almost has the NFC East locked up. 
the fifth seed right now, the Cowboys could do some damage uh, to other opponents. You know, this week coming up against the Seahawks, where the Seahawks might be fine for that fifth seed and, uh, you know, still fighting for playoff contention. Uh, they can really separate themselves and kind of put themselves in a good spots, similar to what they were last year. And then, of course, they travel potentially down to the NFC South again. Yeah, well, I mean, I, first, I think we just got to end the episode right now. Like, just go out <laughs> on a high note because – Wow, Chris, that was like yeah. chef's kiss. That was that was impressive. Well um, especially pulling like the history of like how many wins. Yeah, no, I history. tried. I had to dig deep for these numbers. I was running out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I don't know what to do. So I was like, the 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 history coming from the youngest one on on the on the pod. Like that was <laughs> that was really impressive. So well done. Very very well done. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the seating goes, like I I still want them to go ahead and and win the division to get the home field. Uh, get the first seed to win the home field. Obviously, the odds of that are dwindling, um, but it's not zero yet. It's not a zero percent chance. So until it's officially mathematically dead, I'm still going to be pulling wait, for. Wait, how many? So you're saying there's a chance? Okay, I, I am saying okay. there's a chance. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> really, I think for me, the the biggest thing is just like we've seen what this team does when they're at home, and like we know that they can they can win on the road. We know that they they can do that. Um, but with how good they are in AT&T Stadium, I just feel like the odds of them being able to, to run the table, go all the way to the Super Bowl, those those odds like increase dramatically if they are able to play those games at home, just because of how much different they are when they're at home. But yes, you know if if you have to be a road team, if you have to be one of those wild card seeds, like you obviously want to be the fifth seed, play an NFC South team, like. You know, the Saints aren't looking that good, even though the Superdome's a tough place to play. The Saints are just, they're not that good. The Falcons are also not that good. I have Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts on my fantasy team. And wow, I, I've invested way too much in this Falcons team, is what I'm learning this year. Um, so, I mean, if, if, if you can't get the, the home field, like that's the way to go. But I'm still going to be holding out hope until that is mathematically not a possibility anymore. Well, and B1, I talked about last week how the Lions might be the the best team to go on the road and face. And, I mean, they they proved on Thursday against the the Packers on Thanksgiving that they're really maybe not the team who we thought they were. Uh, but uh, I, uh, uh, Well, besides me, I mean, I kind of came out and said that the, the Cowboys are probably going to blow them out. That was kind of like my guess. Yeah. So I wasn't really surprised by that, uh, B2. But, you know, the Lions are still a good team. That's not one of those teams you can roll over on. Dan Quinn's always, or Dan, Dan Campbell's always going to have all those guys ready to rock and roll. So, you know, kudos to uh, kudos to the Green Bay Packers on that. They really helped out my daily fantasy that uh, that day. So. Well, and, and the one thing I want to ask you is Chris mentioned maybe more targets for Brandon Cooks. A lot of people aren't really thinking like he's led the team in receiving three weeks in a row now. Like they have made a conservative effort to get him the ball in crucial situations. He, of course, had another touchdown on Thanksgiving, which I thought was just a great pass for from Dak and great route by him. He's been one of the better receivers on the team getting separation all season. It's just I don't think him and Dak were always on the same page. But now it seems like that McCarthy is scheming things open for Cooks. Maybe Prescott is finding him a little bit more. Of course, Lamb was on the injury report with dealing with maybe like a little ankle injury. So if he's having a little bit of a setback right now, when you have somebody like Cooks step up, I mean, he's been a number one throughout his entire career, and it just adds to the depth and, and the, con- the continued effort on the Dallas offense to just be explosive. Um, and I don't think it's any coincidence that he's gotten he's gotten more targets over the past few weeks. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. I mean, he. I mean, let's see. He he led the team in receiving yards this past week. He had uh, seventy two, and he you know caught four passes on five targets. 
obviously got the touchdown. Like Brandon Cooks, like I know for the longest time, like the first half of this the season, you know, we're all kind of like, okay, where where is he? Like, what's going on? Like, you know, is is he okay? Like, is he is he falling off? Like, what what's what's going on with this dude? I think it just took a little bit of time for everybody to get used to each other. You mentioned it, the whole Dak and and Cooks. Maybe they weren't they weren't on this exactly on the same page just yet. But I feel like they've really hit their groove, especially after you know after like the first half of the season. So Brandon Cooks, you know, he's he's starting to earn his uh, earn his keep. He's played some really good ball in the last few weeks. You know, maybe he could get a thousand yards if he went crazy the rest of the year, which is, you know, it's, you know, it's a possibility, but you know, having him, you know, step up, you know, depending on how CD lamb is like, you know, obviously he's got some Knicks going on. Obviously that's how the season is at this point. We're in late November. We're at the end of Thanksgiving past Thanksgiving. There's going to be injuries across the league, whether it's you know, little, little, you know, bruises, sprains, things like that. That's just part of the game. So it's, it's one of those things. And, you know, I would say, you know, I jokingly for Chris, I was, you know, after the last couple of weeks, I was waiting to see some more uh, Jalen Brooks. I mean, he's been, uh, you know, he's been, he's been having a good stretch there that that ricochet catch that he had, you know, recently here. That was, that was a lot of fun. He's, he's flashing some potential to where, you know, he, you know, he, he's got a chance to be on this roster long-term. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where obviously we want to make sure CD Lamb is as healthy as possible. And hopefully, you know, hopefully he can just, you know, rest up and get as much, much R and R as possible. I know that the medical team of the Cowboys are top notch, so they'll, they'll do what they have to do to get him ready. But you know, it's good to know that Brandon Cooks is starting to step into that role that we all thought he should have been doing from the get-go. Better late than never. You know, I'd rather have him get ready at this part of the year versus where you know, where he was early on in the season. You know, Jalen Tolbert's been playing decent. You know, you know, Fergie's doing his thing. You know, Turpin's doing his thing. Like we have so many weapons on offense that, you know, Dax, Dax in a different level right now. He's, he's in a groove Four touchdowns, no picks this past week. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good about this passing, this passing attack. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. It's going to be a tough stretch, but I, you know, I will say this, I feel like Dak, I feel like Dak can really set himself apart from the rest of the league with this stretch of games coming up because, you know, everyone's saying, Oh, well, Dak's been doing this against, you know, the giants and the commanders. Now it's put up or shut up time because the rest of the year is going to be real tough. So if Dak can put up similar numbers that he did against the commanders this past week against teams, you know, I know the bills kind of fell apart this past week, but Buffalo's still a legit team. You know, obviously the Eagles are coming up, you know, Seattle's coming up this week. These are all legit teams. And if he can just, you know, if Dak in particular can do that, uh, you know, play as well as he did against the, the commanders like this, I think he can be, you know, an MVP candidate. I think he already is. I feel like he can solidify himself and, and, and separate himself from, you know, from the pack. And and it's nice because you could have, you know, MVP Dak Prescott. You could have defensive player of the year, Deron Bland. I mean, this is, you know, on both sides of the ball. It's, you know, it's a beautiful thing right now for the Cowboys who are right now eight and three. And Brandon Cooks right now sits at around 452 yards. It is certainly possible for him to get 1,000 yards, kind of keep that streak going. Um, So it's certainly possible. Um, Hellman, let's go to you. Uh, Maybe there's a little Mike McCarthy. We we didn't talk about what these letters are because, again, they are letters to Santa are very (laughs) personal. What we're doing right now is normally never done. The only eyes that see these letters are the ones of Santa Claus, and that's it. So for you, this is very personal. Let's see what you got. Well, okay, here here we go. <laughs> nice, a little. What, what is that called? Uh, a- AR or what, what's the ASMR? ASMR. There you go. Yeah, for, for the audience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of course, I didn't actually handwrite it. I, uh, I I know how to use technology. I just did it for the bit. Um, all right. Well done. Well done. Thank you, dear Santa. 
This year for Christmas, I have a few things I want. I've been really nice this year, not getting into a single Twitter fight with dumb Eagles fans. I've not also not gotten into any X fights with dumb Eagles fans. I think that makes my wish list very appropriate this year. All I want for Christmas is a Super Bowl ring, but I have some thoughts on exactly how it happens. First, I want the Cowboys to beat the Seahawks and then get revenge on the Eagles the next week. Even after the win, I still won't get into any fights with any Eagles fans. I think I really deserve this. Then, I want the Cowboys to win the NFC East and get the first overall seed, specifically because the Eagles lose their Week 17 game to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. That would be very funny. Then in the playoffs, I want the Cowboys to face the Eagles first, crush them at home in AT&T Stadium. Then they reach the NFC Championship game for the first time since the 1995 season, where they face the 49ers. I understand you're not a miracle worker, so I'll settle for a close win here. Maybe a Brandon Aubrey walk-off field goal. That would be great. Then the Cowboys get to the Super Bowl and face the Chiefs. But this part is crucial, Santa. I also want the Chiefs, no, 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 I need the Chiefs to suddenly figure out their passing offense, look dominant on their way to the Super Bowl so that when the Cowboys beat them, nobody can take anything away from the glory of ring number six. That's all, Santa. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a good Christmas. P.S. If you can't get all that done, I'll settle for a Micah Parsons jersey. Man, you know, the passion behind that was felt throughout. Um, Chris, you know, we've we've all had ideas of grandeur, of Super Bowl uh, gumdrops in our heads um, when it comes to the Cowboys this year. Is that something like you really want to take it? I mean, we know the path that seemingly is against Philadelphia, seemingly against the 49ers for the Cowboys to face if they want to make it to the Super Bowl. Do you want it, if you had to pick 49ers first, then Eagles, or Eagles and 49ers, what would you pick? I would rather do, or I would rather see the Cowboys face the, the, the Eagles first and then the 49ers. Because I believe that if you beat the Eagles and you send the number one seed, assumingly, I'm assuming that, that um, they wrap up the number one seed. You know, I'm still holding out hope that uh, they don't get it and the Cowboys do. But assuming they get the number one seed, if you send the number one seed, Eagles home, and they're your most hated division rivals. I mean, talk about just 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 the momentum that you'll be riding up to that point. Like, I feel like that would set up the Cowboys, and you'd be getting over that hump too of finally getting past the um, divisional round in the playoffs as well. So you're already past that little mountain. I think that you're setting yourselves up for a really good NFC championship performance against the 49ers. And honestly, too, like, I mean, like the 49ers have had their number you know, um, throughout the last few seasons. But if the Cowboys are able to beat the Eagles and then at least make the conference championship game, losing to the 49ers wouldn't hurt as bad as opposed to losing to the Eagles in the NFC championship game and that being the reason why the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. So I would think I would much rather get that first game out of the way and face the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, B1, you know, we've been talking about all year our namesake with Brandon Aubrey, and we know how important a kicker is not only to the Cowboys and what happened last year with Brett Maher, but you also saw on Sunday in the Philadelphia Eagles-Buffalo Bills game, kickers still matter. Like Jake Elliott was able to drill a 59-yard field goal um, in the rain, in inclimate weather. If the Cowboys were to go on the road, like how saying, with a walk-off for Brandon Aubrey, not only would that build 
on his lore and legacy in Cowboys history. Um, but to get to that point, we've seen now on Thursday, he struggled a little bit in extra points. Of course, he's still perfect on the year in field goal attempts. But is that starting to worry you, a little cracks in the armor, to get to that championship game for that moment to happen? Or you still have all confidence in the world in Aubrey and just it was just a, a flash in the pan. Maybe he had a little too much butter on that, uh, on that ball uh, you know, for his name. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm not. I'm not that concerned. I mean, you, you always got to trust a Brandon. I mean, that's just kind of way the way we do things. I was thinking when you said lore, I thought Laurie. I figured you were gonna play on words there with <laughs> no, your name there. No, but. I'm not that conceited. No, especially not on Christmas. <laughs> no, well, yeah, because you, you'll get on uh, Santa's bad list. You don't exactly. want a lump of coal this year, so. But no, I mean, I mean, Brandon Aubrey. I'm not concerned about the extra points as much because last time I checked. Uh, he hasn't missed a field goal all season, and uh, I believe the field goals count for three, and the extra points count for one. So, you know, with, with uh, you know my my math calculations, that's you know three is bigger than one. So, I'm you know as long as he's making those kicks, I'm not as concerned. I would ideally not want him to you know miss those kicks, but if you're gonna miss kicks, it's useless extra points. And I know that's you know I got to be careful the the word useless there, but it's it's you know the, the, I mean the, the one point in these games haven't really mattered because they've been such big blowouts. He's been consistent. Like he he's just he's been a, a diamond in the rough uh, for you know for the Cowboys this year, and he has proven that kickers do matter. And and just full disclosure, you know. I don't know how many fantasy football leagues have two kickers in their league, but I'm in one league that you have to carry two kickers. It's just like a weird rule. And uh, f- full disclosure, my two kickers are Brandon Aubrey, obviously. And, you know, that's, you know, that, that was kind of, a, you know, it's the namesake. I had, to, I put him on there before. No, everybody else is like, is he even going to make the team? And I'm like, oh, he's Brandon. He's going to make the team. I'm not worried about that. And then just to cover myself, I picked another guy who had a really big kick this past weekend in the elements from almost 60 yards, Jake Elliott. So I'm sitting there watching. Ooh, the, I know. Uh, hey, you know what? I, you know, I have AJ Brown on my one league as well. So, you know, <laughs> I, re, you know, I respect good players. Unfortunately, you know, they, they wear the wrong jerseys. And, and of course, now that you bring that up, I do have to get one Syracuse reference in really quick here. Donovan McNabb. I regret saying anything. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> it's, yeah. You, you did it. You did it. Halvin. But my one, my one Syracuse reference for the day and I, I'm, I'm so glad you reminded me of this. So, you know, Donovan McNabb was a, you know, is a Syracuse legend. And uh, I obviously loved him, grow, I, you know, growing up in Syracuse, you know, watching, watching tear it up in the dome. But as soon as he got drafted by the Eagles, he essentially was, uh, he was public enemy number one. We'll just say it that way. So essentially, as soon as he got drafted, all that great, all the great things I said as a kid about Donovan McNabb was, you know, it was it was done. It was said and done. So that's you know that's kind of my my you know my my hatred I guess for the Philadelphia Eagles. But I res- game respects game. And Jake Elliott, I'm sitting there watching the game. You know, yesterday just like the rest of the the rest of the NFL universe. And I, I said to my wife, and she's like, "Oh, this is a tough kick." I'm like, "No, it's Jake Elliott. The kid's money. He'll probably make it. No problem. We're gonna see overtime, and the Eagles will probably win in overtime." And guess what? He made the kick, and they unfortunately win in overtime. And here's the thing. The way they played it out, the Buffalo Bills, you know, and yes, you know, I didn't mind the kneel, but, you know, the kneeling at the end of the, you know, the fourth quarter, but they then I forgot. Josh Allen's never won an overtime game, so why would you even take the chance and go to overtime? You know, so that to me that was, you know, they were playing, they, they were playing soft there, so they kind of deserved to lose. But, you know, swinging it back to the kickers, you know, kickers do matter. So do punters. I mean, you know, Brian Angers had a heck of a year. No one's talking about him. He's doing a great job putting the ball in the, inside the 20 consistently. He's one of the best best punters in the game. 
our special teams unit is fantastic. We're, we're, we're firing all cylinders there. I'm uh, very happy that we're proofreading these letters because I realized that I wanted to add one more request, one more wish from Santa, and that was to go one episode without hearing Syracuse mentioned. <laughs> love you, Brandon. All jokes. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully I love Santa it. could grant me that wish as well. Well, you, you know, Chris. yeah, and I was going to say, uh, unfortunately, Christmas is still almost a month away, so there's going to be a little bit of time before that wish might be granted, but we'll see how it goes. But, you know, listen, you had a, a very creative uh, Christmas list. I had one that was more timely and urgent. Howman had one that was a little more passionate. Brandon, you're wrapping this up here. Uh, what do you got for oh, us boy. on your on your Santa list? Because oh. you're you're the elder statesman of the room. You've been doing this a long time, writing letters to Santa. So you know this better be good. <sighs> oh God, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you, after what you three did, I'm like, oof. I might be laying an egg here. I might be I might be Deshaun Jackson in it before the goal line and dropping <laughs> the ball right there. I don't know what's gonna happen, but here we go. I mean, you guys are way more creative than than I than you know myself. I was, you know, when I when we did this project this afternoon, I was thinking, okay, I'm a Cowboys fan. What, you know, what what could I say to Santa? You know, what, you know, as, you know, and I have to spin this as much as I can, you know. So here here it goes. It's not, you know, maybe it's not as long as Chris's. It might be. I'll try to get through it as quick as possible because I did. I really thought about this. I put some stats in it. So here we go. So, dear Santa, with Christmas around the corner. I was thinking of various things that I could possibly want, and I really wanted to keep things fairly simple. Aside from the normal things that most people wish for, like good health and happiness, I wish uh, I wanted to wish for a few particular things regarding your favorite uh, team as well as America's favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. So Santa's a Cowboys fan. Let's just get that out there now. So, you know, he roots. He always roots for the Cowboys. Can you please give me a few more touches, particularly in the red zone, to my good, my good friend, he doesn't even know I exist, but Rico Dottle. Every time Rico runs, he runs like he runs that particular play like it could be the last carry of his entire career. That kind of attitude and grit makes for one heck of a red zone threat, particularly in the ground game. This would help the red zone woes that the Cowboys have had throughout the season. I also made the I also made quite the bold prediction as my colleagues here at at Blog and the Boys would uh would attest to regarding Dak Prescott passing for five thousand yards this season, and all he only needs to do is average three hundred forty five games the rest of the year passing to do so. I know it might sound like a tall order, but given the opponents down the stretch, it is certainly possible that Dak Prescott passes the ball much more in these contests. Now, moving on to the defense, I want to get a few wishes out here as well. The Lion, Micah Parsons, has 11 and a half sacks on the season so far and trails TJ Watt by two sacks for the league lead at this point. I would love to see Parsons take over the league league lead by season's end. Maybe nine, maybe nine, ten more sacks. Maybe we can get to a record. That would be beautiful. Speaking of guys who play linebacker, like Parsons, sort of does, sort of does, and he's kind of the Swiss knife. Do not let Shaq Leonard leave the building without signing a contract. I know we talked about that earlier. Uh, Depth is an issue with the linebackers, and Leonard would assist in this area greatly. Speaking of another great defensive player, you have Deron Bland. Deron Bland leads the league in interceptions with seven, but more importantly, he is now the single-season leader for most pick sixes in NFL history. Now, Santa, I know your favorite uh, cornerback of all time is uh, Deion Primetime Sanders, he only had nine in his career, and he's, you know, again, he's the he's a Hall of Famer. 
Deron Bland already has surpassed half of that in such a short time in his career. And I also wish to see that he would get 10 picks by regular season's end, and at least one of those turns into a pick six so he can expand on this uh, five, this, uh, you know, the record to six. Oh, and please give him the Defensive Player of the Year award as well. Deron has certainly not been bland in 2023. As a fellow Brandon, I had to get that in there, I, I wish that Cowboys kicker Brandon Aubrey would have zero missed field goal attempts, not only in the regular season, but more importantly in the postseason. We will certainly need his consistent play to continue. And also, can you stop with the missed PATs, please? Santa, thank you very much for taking all of this under consideration. And I hope that you can, you, you can give your favorite team a much-needed boost to, uh, to making a very deep playoff run this year. Thank you. And I'm going to pull out my, uh, my hat here with my multiple nicknames. I am not the king of Sting like uh, Apollo Creed. But you can uh, thank you, Brandon, a.k.a. B1, a.k.a. my other moniker on social media, Icebreaker. That was so well done. <laughs> and I have to say, um, the best part, I remember when I've written letters to Santa over the years, you throw so much out there. This way you will never be disappointed when maybe one or two of those things don't happen. But you get everything that you could have ever hoped for on Christmas morning. Uh, I thought that that was really well done. I want to talk about two things. We talked about Leonard. We talked about Bland. Um, Howman, you know, he mentioned Rico Daddle. He, again, had another great screen reception for a touchdown on Thanksgiving. Uh, he's seemingly running with a full head of steam, as he always has all year. I know Pollard's kind of picked up a little bit more, but I'm looking right now. They're both averaging about 4.2 yards per carry right now. Um, of course, you have Tony with four touchdowns and Daddle with one uh, rushing touchdown and two receiving both of them are seemingly now starting to get a little bit more half and half, maybe Pollard a little bit more. Um, but it seems like down the stretch of the year, especially in the cold weather games, a big back like Dowdle is going to matter a lot more than maybe right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he he definitely, he plays with that intensity. He, he has those angry runs. Um, and I mean, it, it's kind of, it's kind of been unexpected because he's not, he doesn't really fit the profile of like the power back like Zeke was. Like Zeke was like, you know, built like a brick house. Um, not to say that Dowdle's not, you know, well built. I mean, he's he's definitely more fit than I am, that's for sure. But uh, it, it's encouraging to see him play the way that he has been and, and the physicality he brings. Um, but he he also like he can scoot. Like he he's got some moves in the open field. Um, so I think that's that's a really nice development, especially because a lot of us, I think, especially me, kind of had higher expectations for Deuce Vaughn, and he kind of struggled a little bit early on. Some of that to be expected with him you know, being a rookie and, and coming in and playing at a new level of, of uh, quality of competition. Um, so for Rico Dowdle to step up the way that he, ha he has, and like going back to the preseason, remember we were talking about like, is Rico Dowdle the guy? Is uh, Malik Davis going to be that guy? Like what about Ronald Jones? Anybody remember Ronald <laughs> Jones? Like, you know, and here he is like, you know, halfway through the season and we're like, give Rico the ball more. Like that's just, that's how well he's played. And, uh, especially like you were saying, getting into some of these cold weather games, especially that game at Buffalo in the middle of December. Don't know what the weather's going to look like. I'm sure it will not be uh, warm and sunny and 75. It's not going to be beautiful. For, for, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, up in this part of the world, uh, yeah, it's probably not going to be great. 
Yeah. Me and, and we're going to uh, go see that together, too, kind of somewhat together. We're going to both be going to that um, Cowboys and Bills game. So maybe we can get some Riders Block content while we're up there. Who knows? Maybe we can record it live at the stadium. I don't know. Maybe, and, you know and by the way, hopefully we, don't, hopefully we don't encounter Bills fans that are like Eagles fans. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the video on. I think it was one of the Barstool accounts. But, like, this Bills fan was walking by, tried to shake the hand of a little Eagles fan. The kid was probably, like, eight. And the kid flipped him the bird. So – uh, you know, you know. Hopefully, that's not the case. But you know, I, you know, we are going to be wearing Cowboys gear in, in in enemy territory. So you know, I'm expecting to hear a lot of different uh, verbiage, and uh, and it'll, it'll be. You know, I know, I know. Chris is used to Southern hospitality. Get ready for uh, Western New York hospitality when it comes to wearing Cowboys gear in their stadium. Yeah, maybe, you for can, it. maybe you can take Chris on a tour of the Syracuse campus and show him. The steps that Donovan McNabb walked on before. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're into the dark side. <laughs> we are working on that. I mean, we we have talked. Uh, going to a um a um a Tar Heel versus a Syracuse basketball game, which should be pretty fun because uh, Tar Heels probably should should win pretty handed. Oh uh, yeah, so. I don't think so. Uh, I think Red, <laughs> Red Autry is going to get those boys ready to go. But you know, uh, circling back that that cold that cold uh, winter in Buffalo. You know what? Every once in a while, we get a random sixty-day, uh, you know, degree day up here. It's it's one of those weird things. That's why yeah, I don't know if you could tell, but you know, I've been sitting here, you know, sniffling and you know, you know, using a bunch of tissues since we've been on the, you know, on the recording here. And uh, it's it the weather is very up and down in the, this time of year. So I jokingly say it's more than likely not going to be uh, very uh, comfortable. It's going to be pretty cold. But don't be surprised when you're figuring, okay, I'm going to pack all this winter gear for the game. And you get a random sixty degree day, so if anything is possible. It's New York weather, Chris. You'll get used to it. We'll uh, we'll, we'll show you around, and uh, we'll get you some good chicken wings because Buffalo is known for one good thing: not good football teams usually, or good hockey teams, and all that stuff. But they really do have some good chicken wings. I will put that out there. B one talked about Micah Parsons in in his letter. You also alluded to him as well. Um, he has now 11 and a half sacks on the season, which is the third player since 1982 to record at least 11 sacks in each of his first three NFL seasons. Now joining Dwight Freeney and hall of famer, Reggie white in that category. The one thing I don't think a lot of people have been talking about is that last year we saw maybe a little bit of a slowdown in Micah Parsons production. He was being used a lot more. He's getting a little banged up this year. He looks really healthy. You know, of course, knock on wood, everything seems to be okay. Outside of that one game where he didn't have as much production against the giants. I don't think that was really more of him lacking health or anything like that. I think it was just him being isolated a lot more from the team, but of course a lot of other, other players to get home and get their statistics and pad those numbers. But Micah Parsons has been really, really great for the Cowboys. And I think that when we're looking at him overall um, from like a landscape view, he's been healthy and and he's looked a lot better at this part of the season this year as opposed to last year. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, I've been pounding the table for Deron Bland to win Defensive Player of the Year, but don't get it twisted. Micah Parsons is still the best player on this team, offense and defense, in my opinion. You know, like he really um, runs runs the train on that defense. You know, you know, outside of that Giants game where he didn't really do much, you know, he had, you know, um, since then he's had, you know, one sack against the Chargers. He had one sack against the Rams. He had one and a half sacks against the Eagles, two and a half sacks, sacks against the Panthers, and one and a half sacks against the Commanders. So he's really been on top of it. He's been getting a lot of pressure, too. And not just that, too, but, you know, he just – he generates so much pressure, and he would probably have about – five at least five more sacks if there wasn't all this holding that was happening you know across that offensive line you know he draws so much attention from the opposing offensive line and you know it really opens up um it really opens up opportunities for osa and it 
offensive opportunities for um, Tank and um, and, and uh, Durant, Armstrong, and, and Sam Williams, and all these other guys. So yeah, I think Michael is definitely the most valuable player on this team in terms of the defense. And and it's just great that he does look as healthy as he does right now. I mean, it, I, um, in his rookie year, he had 13 sacks. In his sophomore year, he had 13 and a half. He already has 11 and a half now. He should be looking at a career high. And it's just insane to think that, you know, as good as Michael was his rookie year, he's just getting better and better and better. And we probably still haven't, we probably still haven't even seen the prime yet of Michael Parsons. And I'm hoping that we can see that, you know, kind of come into fruition throughout this playoff run. Because it's going to be very important that um, we get the most out of this defense, you know, um, uh, um, from this Cowboys team as we um, head into these, uh, these um, later months in the year. Brandon, I, I gotta, I gotta put another one out there. You, you threw a great name out there that I, you know, I, I was just thinking about. You know, Dwight Freeney, another great Syracuse player. I just wanted uh, to make sure I got that in there. Uh, college football Hall of Famer and soon to have his jersey retired uh, with the orange next year. If Micah Parsons, I'm gonna tie this back in with Micah Parsons, of course, because Micah Parsons is the unicorn as I call him. If Micah Parsons can get the Dwight Freeney spin down. That Dwight Freeney spin was, uh, you know, that was a patented move. Like, nobody does the spin like Dwight Freeney. Add that to his repertoire, and, uh, man, Michael Parsons is already darn good. Add that Dwight Freeney spin in there. He'll have he'll he'll have twenty two sacks a year. That's how that's how great that that uh, Dwight Freeney spin was. So I mean, Micah Parsons he's still scratching the surface, you know, as you know, as a talent. Like I know that's crazy to say because of how good he is, but there are still things he's still working on. Like as a player, like he does the boxing stuff. Like he's he he's a student of the game, and uh, you know, Micah Parsons is a guy that you know he 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 could break a lot of records by the time his days are done. Not only in Dallas, but in the NFL as a whole. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys are certainly having a season to remember, and of course the holidays always bring a lot more cheer and joy, but make no mistake, the Cowboys are going to be entering their toughest stretch of the schedule. They're going to have a lot to prove during this stretch, not to themselves, but you know, maybe to the rest of the world that isn't really on board with what we already know about this team and what they've shown up to this point. Um, we were going to talk a little bit about the Seahawks game, but we're running out of time here, so that's totally okay. The beauty of it is you have tons of podcasts that are going to be coming out on the Blog and the Boys podcast network throughout the week that you guys can tune into. And not only that, but you also have all the articles that come out during the week that we're going to be cranking out before Thursday. I know everybody is waiting on their hands uh, for the McCarthy Chronicles that always come out during the week, so be on the lookout for Howman's piece there. Uh, you know, you can follow us all on Twitter, on X. Of course, you know we're not going to get into arguments with the Eagles fans throughout the holiday season because that is a no-no, given all the letters that we've been writing. Uh, but make sure you go check out all of our work on bloggingtheboys.com. So with that said, for Chris Holling, for Brandon Clements, and David Hellman, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Writer's Block Podcast. And always remember, go Cowboys. 